You're listening to TechNado. Welcome to another episode of TechNado. I'm Sophie Goodwin, one of your hosts for the show. And before we jump in, I want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of TechNado, ACI Learning. Those are the folks behind IT Pro. And if you didn't know, that's what we do in our day jobs. We teach those courses about audit, cybersecurity, and IT, and we have a great time doing it. So if you haven't already, take a look over at that website and uh, and check out what we do in our day jobs. Once again, I'm Sophie, and of course, I'm not alone here. You may have noticed I'm decked out. Happy Valentine's Day. We love you guys. We hope that you love the show just as much as we love you. Don, do, do you do you concur? Uh, <laughs> I know, pressure's on. <laughs> I do concur that it is indeed Valentine's Day. That is a fact. Uh, Hallmark has added it to all of our calendars uh, and, uh, you know, spend appropriately. <laughs> great. I mean, it is a real holiday. It just wasn't. It's it was a not, real holiday. My it, was, butt. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely not originally like a love. It was like a St. Valentine thing and there was death involved. And so yeah, originally you, you covered yourself in leeches. <laughs> that's why that's why red is the official color of Valentine's Day. People don't know the backstory. No, no. You yeah. heard it here first. Yeah. Come to TechNado for all your misinformation needs. <laughs> Daniel, any misinformation to add to that claim? Uh, all I know is like apparently there was some unrequited love to a bird outside because we heard it hitting alive itself against the window about Today? Just, just right just a now. Ago, yeah. Is that what that was? I thought yes. you hit the microphone. No. Oh. It probably got the lizard. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. no. Oh, well, all right. We'll go we'll go check on him after the Oh god. Okay. In Valentine's Day. <laughs> people listening. Day. People listening for the first time are totally confused right now. That's right. That's right. There's a big picture window off to this yes. side of me and that you can't see, but the birds <laughs> they can't see it either. Can't see it either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just go, I got a lizard at 12 o'clock. I'm going in for the kill. <laughs> well, you know, as hard as it may be to believe based on that conversation, this is a tech and cybersecurity podcast. So we'll jump into our first article here. This comes to us from OMG Ubuntu, which is a fun website name. Ubuntu Core desktop debut no longer planned for April. Womp, womp. Womp, womp, indeed. So for those of you thinking, wait, what? I guess they announced that it was uh, going to be released and be available to download in April, and they've pushed it back, it sounds like? Yeah, you know, back in December, we covered this on the podcast, the brand new Ubuntu Core desktop that was coming out. And if you don't remember, uh, no, no sweat, it's uh, a new desktop roll or spin that they're doing. And the idea is that it's an immutable desktop. In other words, the, the main file system will not be writable. And all of the applications will be run from inside of Snaps. And if you've listened to the podcast over the years, you know my... Uh, uh, it's a good thing it's Valentine's Day, yeah. because how much you love Snaps. There we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for uh, the purge day, and then we can go after Snaps. <laughs> so that's, that's John's got a freaky mask waiting. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, basically what they're saying is, look, hey, you don't need to mess with the operating system. The operating system is perfect. And all of your apps can run in these little containers, containerized snaps, and you'll be happy and you'll like it. <laughs> and that's, that's what they're telling us. Uh, and who knows? Maybe we will. Maybe we'll love it. Uh, it is actually out in a beta form. You can install it and run it. They were hoping to get it rolled out in April. Now, why does April matter? That's when the long-term support releases come out, the LTSs, right? So when Ubuntu 24.04 drops in April, that will be supported for 8 to 10 years, depending on how you look at it. Uh, and, and so that's why people care about that date. It looks like Ubuntu Core is not going to make it. Uh, in fact, when I say it, it looks like it, it's, it's not. They, they've, <laughs> they've said we're not going to do it. This is definitive. Uh, and so that means we won't get an LTS version of this. And, and hmm. I don't blame them because we don't really know if this is going to work or not. We, we don't know if people are going to adopt it and be ready to go for it. But in a way, it, it's really like the way mobile phone operating systems are, right? When you have an Android phone or an iOS phone, they don't want you messing with the OS. 
and you install apps that are in these little containers, like that's what they're trying to do with the desktop OS. And we'll have to see if that works. Well, you know, I feel like it's the it's the frog in a, in a boiling pot, right? Like they'll continue to turn the heat up on these snaps businesses until it's just the way it is. And you don't have an option. It's just... It's how, just the way it is. is. Some things will never change. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote that? Who was that song? Uh, oh, goodness. Thurgood? No. I don't remember. Um, somebody like that. Yeah, somebody. Yeah. I wanted to say like Brian McDonald or something, but that's not right. No, no, okay. I gotta look it up. This yeah. is where I know I'm definitely out of touch because you said some things never change and then who wrote that? And I thought Frozen 2 because that's it's a song that's in Frozen true. 2. That's true. It is a song in Frozen 2. Oh, that's right. You know, very, got, I have little girls. Yeah, so you know. I'm very familiar with that. He song knows the as lore. Well. He's familiar with it. When Don says that's just the way it is, some things will never change. That is a lyric. Yeah. Well, yes, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I assume he wasn't. Bruce Hornsby. Bruce Hornsby. Yes. Yeah. I can't believe I okay. Yeah. That. I assumed he wasn't talking about Anna and Elsa. I didn't think so, but well, that's just where my mind went. You never know. And, and you kind of got the the Anna thing going do. on today, don't you? This, this was not intentional. <laughs> it was. Um, I just didn't do my hair, and this. She's is, like, I was just I, lazy. I slept in these. So this is this is uh. Her you leader hose and wearing the hamper. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more Pippi Long stuff. Where's the beer stuff? I was going for okay. yeah. <laughs> You don't know what's good in this schnitzel. Stuff. You, don't know. <laughs> you don't know. She is in a good mood today. <laughs> she is. She's very lively. <laughs> I get to, I get to wear bright colors today. It's fun. It's well, a good you time. Can wear bright colors anytime you like. I'm disappointed you know in the lack of pink and red on the other side of the room. Uh, well, you we know. don't dress up for being a politics. That's yeah. Yeah. all right. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So it doesn't seem like there's a uh, it, it's been pushed back. Right. And there's not really an estimated release date for when this will be pushed through. So unfortunate. Do you think we'll have an update yeah. on this soon? Um, I mean, technically, if you want to try it, you can go and download it right now and do it in beta. They're just saying, like, we don't have anything production ready. And I'm, I appreciate that. You know, so just do wait you, and see. Do you think they just under promised and over or over promised and under delivered here? So or um, how's it go? <laughs> They messed up. They told us it was going to be now, and they didn't. That's not. They should have set a pro, more proper expectation. I think when you have a deadline six months away, yeah. it's easy to promise a lot of stuff. But all of a sudden, when that deadline is one month away, you're like, oh, we got to prioritize. <laughs> yeah, and... you've been sitting there eating Cheetos for the last five months. <laughs> like, ah, oh, shit, man, I better get to the yeah. doing this. <laughs> so I am, I am certain that they're all focused on the 24.04 release, yeah. like the the main operating system release, which makes sense. And so they're pulling resources off of this, and that that's totally fine because. I can tell you right now, a ton of people will run 2404, uh, the, the you know the main LTS. Not so many people are going to jump onto Ubuntu Core right on day one. You know they're going to wait a couple of years. So uh, I I fully expect that'll that'll play uh, out. Other than that. it being just completely snaps, is there any like big changes that are coming in uh, Ubuntu as far as like ooh you know make you kind of perk your ear up and go hmm that's that's kind of cool I want that. Not, not that not, you're aware of. Not as far as, as this. So over yeah. in the main OS, there's some things, especially when it comes to like inter, uh, enterprise deployments. Okay. Like, you know, with their installation wizard yeah. and things. We, we talked a bit about that earlier uh, in other episodes, yeah, like yeah. The, the ability to boot from NVMe uh, mm -hmm. over TCP and stuff yeah. like that. So th there's some really neat technologies that are in there. None of that really comes into play with the Ubuntu Core desktop. Right, place. because it's just meant to be that that kind of pristine file so you, it never gets changed it never gets modified yep. it stays exactly how it should so that when those bad things happen and they will 
<laughs> and I do want to acknowledge, because if I don't, this is going to be on the YouTube comments, uh, that I, I fully am aware that I pronounced Ubuntu three different ways now Ubuntu, yeah. in, in just this one segment. So sorry about that. <laughs> he's, he's We're just, trying to cover all of the different... Yeah. He's trying to make everybody feel included. No matter right. how you pronounce it, you're welcome That's here. That's right. But That's right. you might be wrong. I pronounced it Shison. <laughs> <laughs> it's very close. Very yeah. close. Yeah, yeah close enough. <laughs> I like so, the Ubuntu, so... The Ubuntu, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of pronouncing things, sometimes I need a, a little bit of a hand, especially with uh, with things that are acronyms, because I maybe am inclined to spell it out, and there's a way that you're supposed to say it. So in this one, E-S-X-I, is that how you would say that? Nailed or it. Or is it... Uh, I'm always tempted uh, to like, just try... Yeah, it's the S-K-I. Yeah, is it the key or the ski? It is... ESXI. Yeah. ESXI. All right. So this next article leading leading us into that is uh, we're pulling this from Slashdot. Broadcom ends support for free ESXI VMware hypervisor. So I was looking at uh, Broadcom made an announcement about this. And uh, it looks like this is uh, the availability of the free vSphere hypervisor is going to go away. So the free edition is no more, but you can still do the paid version. You can still buy it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I keep yeah. seeing these memes about about VMware and how they're like hiking prices up six hundred percent and stuff like that, and like just throwing double birds up at mm. at people, basically going, "This is how we roll." So I I don't want to like aggrandize all of this stuff. I, I but, don't know. Uh, I like I said, this is a complete meme. That's all I've seen of it. Well, so I I think I think there's some basis for that. Okay. And there's a there's a trend going on right now, right? Normally, corporations have to make decisions. And they have to think about how their customers will react and they have to behave appropriately. And if they do something crazy, wacky, the customers get mad and, and they lose their customers, right? But we're in a weird time right now. In, in, in the year 2024, in case you're watching this in down the, the road, 2000. <laughs> where uh, a lot of companies are hurting for cash yeah. and their investors are telling them, you need to squeeze. We need our dividends. We need our payouts, right? You you make that money. It's like, sucker, it's hard out there, man. <laughs> you got to go down too. <laughs> and it used to be that companies like Twitter and Uber and stuff could say, hey, we grew our, our customer base 10,000% last yesterday, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the investors would be happy with that and say, well, eventually they'll make money, right? right? And now they're in the stage where, it's, no, you, you, you got to make money. <laughs> And these companies are making decisions that are very anti-customer. And in the past, when somebody did that, the, the customer would get really upset and the companies would have to backtrack. They say, whoa, we, we screwed up. We made a mistake. We're going to undo that. We're, we're not going to do that after all. But this year in particular, more and more, we're seeing companies say, um, no, you suck it up. And if you don't like it, then don't be our customer, Right. And that's how Netflix was with password sharing yeah. and the fact that they keep raising their monthly mm -hmm. price, well, even Amazon though the library too, gets right? smaller. The Amazon prices have gone Amazon? up. Amazon? Yeah. Oh, you, you had free video with no ads? Now you don't. Yeah. You pay another $3, <laughs> yep. and then we'll hook you up. Yep. Uh, so it's a weird time. Mm. And VMware, recently acquired by Broadcom, uh, Broadcom immediately made changes to how subscriptions are handled. They got rid of their their perpetual licensing. It used to be you could buy a license, and whether you chose to maintain support or not didn't matter. Your license lasted forever. It was perpetual. Now, now they said, nope, nope, you get a subscription or nothing. And people got upset about it, and Broadcom said, hey, whatever. <laughs> you know, go, go. Uh, yeah, they were like, who are you again? Go kick rocks, yeah. <laughs> I'm your customer. Yeah, that sounds nice. <laughs> well, for years, a decade really, uh, ESXi, the, the hypervisor that's underneath VMware, 
uh, they've given it away for free. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dell made a big deal about this when they acquired VMware back forever ago, or technically VMware acquired Dell. It's, it's complex. Yeah. Um, they even made it where when they were rolling their servers out that they had a copy of ESX that was integrated into the motherboard where, like, you didn't have to install it. You could just boot the system up and it have it as an ESX node. Nice. Um, if you had a home lab like me, I, I can't tell you how many times I've stood up an ESX machine at home just to, to have something quick and dirty to run some virtual machines on, and it was free, and it was nice. Yeah. But it didn't have all the bells and whistles. If you wanted vMotion and vSphere management and any of the VDI stuff, you want any of that. I mean, that is nice. You had to pay. Want, like clone a physical machine to have that. Like, yeah, that's super sweet. Yeah. So you know, it, it was it was nice to have that. And now they're taking it away. <laughs> and, and and that's, that's like it. a filthy pusher, right? Like the first one's free. Enjoy. Oh, that's real good. Now you got to pay. Yeah. <laughs> So the uh, the days of having a free hypervisor are gone. Now, Microsoft does still have the Windows Hyper-V server, right? That special yep. version of Windows that is very, very stripped down, that is just the Hyper-V virtualization server. But, but Hyper-V kind of sucks. I think most people know that. Mm. So um, not really a viable option for a lot of people. Uh, you've got Nutanix and Proxmox and a few others that are out there yeah. that have... They have oh Proxmox has a free version. I think yeah. that's where a lot of these people that use ESX will They're likely over. move over to it, but uh, or they'll pay right or because pay. it's hard to find a more stable hypervisor than than ESX. Well, I mean that's I would assume this is going to breed more competition because before when they were given away for free, it was like why compete with free, right? And yeah. now it's like well I can undercut you maybe by two hundred percent and give you similar functionality. All I got to just get to work and build a product. And now you you create a more uh, competitive market. Yeah, although I I will say as as someone who has created a tech startup yeah. and 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 grown a, a what would you know about nothing, it, Don? Well, <laughs> if if I were looking at it and I said, hmm, I could compete with this other company by creating a free product. Yeah, I would just go out of business on day two. Right, <laughs> like that, that's not really a good. Yeah, way well, I'm not saying there. don't make a don't make a free product. Just make a less expensive product with the same. Kind of yeah. bells and whistles. Yeah, and, and that's where I think, and, and I'm just, I'm going to pull it up here real quick. This is where I think that Proxmox really Proxmox has an opportunity. Doing, yeah. yeah, because they, they they use KVM and QEMU, so open source uh, uh, virtualization platforms, right. which honestly, like all of AWS is built on top of Zen, which is KVM, QEMU. Right. QEMU. Uh, so completely proven technology, uh, but they add a, a G, uh, Proxmox adds a GUI to it, makes nice. it easier to use, and so you can go and get it. So I, I feel like that that free competitor is already there, Yeah, and that that's that likely what's going to happen. Everybody's just going to migrate over. But Broadcom is looking at it and saying, well, oh, great, we lose our free customers. Who cares? Like, we just <laughs> want the customers that pay money, gotcha. and that's... That's the year 2024. <laughs> I was looking at through the comments and some people talking about how they're going to be trying alternatives because, you know, what mm -hmm. else are you going to do? Um, XCPNG, is that, does that sound like I'm pronouncing that right? Was was one that was brought up. XCP-NG. XCP-NG. Everything's NG, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just got NG on the end of it. And then Proxmox was another one and Windows Server Hyper-V that, you know, these are free options. And so I'm going to download these. I'm going to try this. Do you think that realistically... Because I know you had said that ESXi was one that was kind of the, the standard that was mm -hmm. the default. Yeah. So I mean, these other free options is it is it going to be like you know oh well now I have to I have to switch to Proxmox and it's just going to be such a disappointment or is it close enough that it's like well I'd really rather just switch to this free version and I'm getting most of what I need rather than paying for this you know the paid yeah. version of this other one. Well, I, I I can give you my personal experience, which is um, performance. Uh, 
virtual machines perform better on VMware platforms than they do on any other hypervisor that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in, and that's Hyper-V, um, KVM, even AWS for that matter. Like when, when you bring up virtual machines in a, in a properly sized VMware data center, they perform better. Uh, and the enterprise support is really good and, and stuff like that. So if those are the features that you care about, then... Do they it, basically have a monopoly on this? Um, it's hard to say they have a monopoly when yeah. Azure and AWS are kicking so much butt. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I would say for on-prem data centers... They're, they're um, killing it. They're, they're killing it. Yeah, they're doing a really so good job. So it's kind of like Cisco, right? Where they do have competitors, but... They have the lion's share of yeah, the market. Yeah, uh, I would say their their biggest commercial threat is Nutanix. Okay, uh, and Nutanix has focused a little more on not just straight virtualization, but yeah. containerized applications. Okay. You know, almost like, like when you look at Kubernetes, you don't think, oh, Kubernetes is a competitor for vSphere. No, vSphere can do virtual machines and containers. Kubernetes just does containers, right? right? Uh, so Nutanix is a little bit closer to the, okay. to that. Um, I don't know. It's tough. I, <laughs> I moved. I recently moved some virtual machines from some like old VMs that I had from uh, Hyper V over to VirtualBox, and VirtualBox sucks for performance. And and, <laughs> and if you're okay with that, like maybe performance isn't what you care about. In this case, it's not something I cared about. Right. Then it was fine. Like right. I, I just needed these old machines available so I could get data out of them from time to time. <clears throat> Every now and then, I need access to like a 16-bit application, and so I, I need to boot. Windows XP uh, in order to run that. And I don't want to run that on a physical machine, but I don't care about performance either. I just need the VM to run. And is it, my data. isn't VirtualBox like the one, if not one of the few virtualizations that will allow you to do Mac OS? Um, I don't know. I, I'm not done Mac OS. I have done Mac it. OS on virtual, on virtual box okay. and it, it ran not too bad. Mm. Like I was like, it ran better than not, yeah. <laughs> which is what I experienced with the other platforms that I tried. You know, VirtualBox, uh, most of you have probably heard of it. it. It's it's controlled or owned by Oracle. It used to be open source and free. Now it is open source and not free. And and that's a really weird thing. You don't see that very often. And, and a lot of people don't realize that when you spin up a VirtualBox instance, it's free for personal use. Right. It's not free for commercial use. You're supposed to pay for it. And I, I don't know anybody who's ever paid for it. <laughs> but I do know if you fire up two computers behind the same IP and they're both running VirtualBox, they phone home to Oracle and Oracle will reach out to you and say, hey, it looks like you need a commercial license. And I, I don't know if you guys have encountered that or not, but yeah, most people don't realize that VirtualBox is not free. Uh, I, I did not realize that myself. And if his hmm. performance didn't suck, I wouldn't have a problem with that, but his performance <laughs> does suck. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's a good time. Anyway. Oh, I'm really feeling the love in this room today. It sucks. Everything day. sucks. Right. Yeah, Valentine's Day. Not a real holiday anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, that is... We've, we've ruined Valentine's we Day. Really have, we really <laughs> took a giant piss all it's over fine. it. Just, <laughs> just crush my dreams. It's fine. No big deal. It's fine. Uh, so, I mean, we didn't. We don't do like Valentine's in the office. So, you know, it's, it's fine. I just celebrate. Thank goodness. I celebrate privately <laughs> my own time. Uh, so we'll, we'll move on to our next article here. Maybe we'll we'll feel some more love with this one, though something tells me probably not. This comes to us from Tom's Hardware. Older systems now won't be able to update to newer versions of Windows due to reliance on an arcane CPU instruction, often used for AI neural networks. Now, that's interesting. I don't know that that's how I expected that article title to end. Yeah, so um, 
when I saw this headline, <laughs> it's Tom's hardware, right? We, we yeah. comment on yeah. this. They always have long headlines. Yeah, they're like, but here's the article in the headline. <laughs> it, it didn't make any sense to me. And, uh, and, and this should have been a don't make no sense segment yeah. if I would have thought of that. You're that, right. But I didn't. Uh, but when I saw this, like, oh, you won't be able to update to new versions of Windows 11 if you don't have support for this arcane feature. Wait a minute. You can't upgrade to Windows 11 unless you have a TPM. So right. what computer is going to be missing an arcane feature but have a TPM? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And so I dug, I, I did actually a decent bit of research into this. It literally doesn't make any sense. There are a, <laughs> literally. A, there are a ton of tech news outlets that are reporting this like it's a big issue. It is a total non-issue. It is not something anyone has to worry about. I cannot think of a single computer on the planet that would fit this model for this to be an issue. Uh, so let me let me kind of summarize things here. There's an instruction called um, uh, pop, pop. Oh, don't say it the way it looks. <laughs> no way. P O P C N T, <laughs> which stands for population count, and it's just a simple instruction that says if you give me a string of binary bits, tell me how many ones there are. Are there seven ones? Are there three ones? Are there nineteen <clears throat> ones? Just tell me that. Like that's all this instruction is, right? Okay. That sounds pretty basic, right? So basic that it's been included in every CPU manufactured in the last 15 years. So, you know, if if your computer's over 15 years old, there's plenty of other things that are broken on it. Not, <laughs> yeah. you know, not, not, not this one thing. But if your computer is manufactured in the last 15 years, it's got this instruction in it. Now, TPMs have only been commonplace in computers really for like the last five to seven years, right? right? And when Windows 11 was first released, it was a big deal. You can't run Windows 11 without a TPM on your system. And a lot of people got upset saying, like, I got this laptop that's only five years old, and now I can't run Windows 11. And Yeah, my Dell GXA is going to have yeah. trouble. <laughs> and Microsoft just said, buy a new computer. You know, your computer's old. That's not well, It looks like I'm made of money, Don. Yes. <laughs> and, and they want you to give it to them so you won't be made of money. They're trying to help you with this condition that you have. <laughs> <laughs> they figure if they make me more poor... <laughs> Yep, there you go. You need a you need a new yeah. Surface tablet. Yeah, then I'll just get the government <laughs> to give me money. <laughs> <laughs> give you a laptop. That's right. That's much Windows Eleven. So, uh, so the way all these different news outlets have kind of put this out is like, hey, you may have upgraded to Windows Eleven, but now you won't be able to run the twenty four H two update when it comes out because twenty four H two requires. The population count CPU instruction. I'm going to tell you, Don, my GXA ain't running Windows 11 very well. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's just not as all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. I thought Windows yeah. 11 was going to be awesome. Well, uh, I guess it doesn't change the fact that Windows 10 is still supported. That's uh, true. So you could How much more support do we have on Windows 10? Uh, I think two years. Okay. I feel like it's two years. Two I don't years. have to look that up. Um, but a little while, yeah. right? Uh, so you could stay on Windows 10. But... The reality is if your computer is old enough not to have this instruction set, it really is too old to be running. Uh, it, it probably didn't support Windows 10. Uh, in the comments, <laughs> in the comments, put what's the oldest computer you have in operation that you're current that you use for whatever reason. Put that in the comments. Love to hear. Yeah. I have um, a laptop sitting right over there on my desk. That Joker's a good 12 to 15 years old. Mm. I run it every day. It's got Linux on it. I just use it as like just a simple server, like a HTTP server and that kind of stuff. Hmm. Surf the web. It, it does random functions, but it's got a full-size keyboard. It's got a decent hard drive in it. I upgraded the RAM, and that all cost me like, you know, $60 to, to keep that thing limping along. 
So I would love to hear what you guys are using stuff for that you would upgrade to like a Raspberry Pi or whatever. Yeah. So I, I I'm trying to think. Yeah. Now what you, is your oldest question out? So um, I have my Lenovo T480 laptop that I okay. absolutely love. Um, it it was my work computer for years and years, uh, and then it got decommissioned. Yeah. And I I took it home. I use it when I when I do personal travel. I was a personal right. laptop. Uh, and I would have bought that in 2016. Okay. So it's seven, eight years old. Okay. That's that's, that's the oldest old computer get? I've got. Yeah. And it, it's running Windows 11. It has a TPM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got older computers, like laptops that I've had just for doing, you know, testing or whatever. Or, you know, with the kids to do something, to give yeah. them something they can bang. I don't care if they stick their foot through it, <laughs> you know. Uh, but in actual production, I got that one. It's I think it's a Dell... Is it an E6500? I think that's that's what it is. Don't quote me on that one though, but I hmm. think that's what that sucker is, and it's it's still, pretty darn old. still turning along, man. And it it works. That's what I love about Linux. Like that's one of the things that endears me to Linux. Is there are some stripped down Linux OSs out there that you can throw it on these older hardware, and it supports everything, right? And for doing simple stuff, that yeah, it eats a whole lot more power than a Raspi would. But I already have this. Yeah. Right? And I don't have to keep it on. It's not like a 24-7 server. It's, hey, I needed to do X, Y, or Z. Turn it on. Do the thing. You know what? I, I do it a lot with it. I rip DVDs because it's got a DVD burner in it. And I use it for, like, ripping DVDs or, you know, sharing files or whatever through HTTP. Use it for an SSH server. I can do all sorts of fun stuff with it. And it doesn't take a lot of horsepower to do. Mm. And it yeah. just keeps, it keeps earning its money with me. Yeah. Sophie, oldest computer? Uh, I don't know if this like counts, and I don't mean to brag, but I've got an iPod Touch fourth generation laying around somewhere in my home oh. from when I was a, a child. Uh, I'll bring mine in. Because at the time, I one of those too. it was like I was so young, it was like I was not old enough to have like a cell phone, but you know, my mom was like, well, you can play games on it, whatever, and it's an iPod. You know, what's the worst you can do with it, right? right? Um, so, I mean, I don't know, I'm pretty old. The fourth gen came out in 2010, so that makes it like 14 years old, I think. Okay. I All don't right. use it. I've got one of those as well. But it's, it's around. It's sitting on my guitar amp right as now. As far as computers I use, yeah, I don't it's, use it's pretty it. much this. And that's <laughs> it's pretty much this. God, All this right. baby's got to be at least two years old, you know. It's getting up there. If we're going to cheat with consumer electronics, <laughs> yeah. then... God's got us beat. My <laughs> oldest computer. I qualified that you have to use it. <laughs> I still have my PlayStation One. Do you really? Oh yeah, that that nice. that I bought in 1996. Nice. Uh, so I I still have that very unit, and I used it last month. Like sweet. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, you, retro games, baby. Retro <laughs> games. Look, if a computer is defined as my as the Google says here as an, ele an electronic device that manipulates information or data and can store, retrieve, and process data, I say that counts. I mean, we are casting yeah. a much wider yeah. net at this point. I, yeah. feel, I feel like in the, the, the comments are going to be like, "I have a Tandy." <laughs> you know, I've got my pacemakers <laughs> in 1987, <laughs> keeping me alive since 1974. That counts. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what what people have to say. What what is the oldest? What's the oldest that you have? I'm just curious. But yeah, yeah the oldest that's, that's currently a, in use, like an actual yeah, yeah that you actually use for work or hobbies or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so as far as this article goes, I looked through the the comments on Tom's hardware on this article, mm -hmm. and it was basically, oh yeah, this is a big nothing burger. Yep. You know, like everybody was just yeah. like, why are you even talking about this? So people are people to let are, people know it's a big nothing burger. Uh, yeah, people yeah. are real over 
Tom Tom's hardware apparently at this point. Well, um, it, it, let's not just blame. I mean, that that's the one that I picked, but yeah. I did some research on this. There were, I mean, a number. I, Ars Technica covered it, yeah. and and I have a ton of respect for Ars Technica. They always do a really good breakdown of stuff, but even they missed the mark on this one. Like it's just, it's not an issue anybody's going to have. And and the the original tweet. Oh, do we have that? Um, I'm sure you do. It's somewhere in there. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. So the, the person who, who discovered this, right? Because Microsoft didn't come right out and say, oh, by the way, we're adding this new requirement. So this guy discovered it. And I'm, I'm doing air quotes here. <laughs> uh, and so he posts on, on Twitter. So huge, this is all capital, huge, huge discovery found in Windows 11 version 24H2 since build 25905, a CPU with the or. A CPU with the instruction POP CNT is now required, all capitalized. Like, this is shocking, breaking news. If you don't have it, you're screwed, right? I, I, I editorialized yeah. that last part. Uh, <laughs> the but guy started a couch fire I think, shortly after. You know, we, we see this usually more in cybersecurity, where somebody makes some discovery of some really esoteric fringe thing, and they're like, oh, the whole world is compromised now. But, yeah, we tend to be a little knee-jerk reactionist. Yeah. I, I think we get caught up in the in the idea that this is so crazy and so cool. If it were to make it into the wild, this would be a barn burner and, you know, a seven-alarm fire kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And and that tends to be get sensationalized by people that write articles and titles for those articles so that you'll click on them. And yeah. making it seem like we're a little more excited about it than we are, it's, more, it's just more like, oh, yeah, this is bad. If it were to get out in the wild, it would be really bad. Yeah. Yeah, I would think that it's if I were to if I've discovered something like that, right, that was, you know, maybe not that big of a deal, but maybe it could be, you know, potentially. I know there's like the whole boy that cried wolf thing, right? You don't yeah. want to be like that all the time. But I don't know. I'd almost rather be like, hey, 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 there's here's this new thing and it might be a big deal rather mm -hmm. than if it if it really is like, oh, this has huge implications. And then just be like, oh, by the way, here's this thing I found. No, don't pay no mind, you know, yeah. and then, and then it's later it's like, something... why didn't you say something? You yeah. know. Um, but that's, I guess, more a cybersecurity thing. For this, yeah, it does seem like it's like, okay, it's neat that you found that, but I don't know that I would I mean, panic over ultimately, it. Ultimately, let, let's say that it was like a problem. Mm -hmm. What are you, you going to do? You're going to buy a new computer, right? Yep. If you're running <laughs> a 15-year-old computer, it's probably about that time to upgrade anyway, right? Yeah. At least for your daily driver. So yeah. this is why this is like a big nothing burger. Yeah. Because yeah. I agree. go buy a new computer. I get it, man. Get a Chromebook, something. Don't worry about it. Just yeah. gonna get you a new one. Something's better than you, nothing. You don't even get a new one. Buy a used one that's five years old. Yeah. You're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Save a bunch of money on your car insurance when you switch to. <laughs> wow. Oh boy. We are not sponsored no. by any any insurance company named around. Not sponsored by. Not yeah. Not sponsored by yeah. any brand. This tasty and delicious fruit beverage. <laughs> Unnamed energy drink. It's like some people only do things for money. And that's, that's sad. <laughs> Daniel's made of money. He doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, do that. that's it. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick break and collect ourselves and figure out our brand deals in the meantime. But don't go away. We'll have security news coming up in the second half of Technito. Tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning? Isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development? What if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible? The answer to your woes is live online training from ACI Learning. With live online training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit virtual instructor-led training at ACI Learning for more info.
Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us through that break. If you're enjoying the show so far, maybe drop a like if you're watching here on YouTube or listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your tech news, wherever you listen to Technado. And uh, if you haven't already, consider subscribing so you never miss an episode of Technado in the future. And here on the IT Pro channel, you can also see all of our past episodes as well as any webinars that IT Pro has done in the past starring Don, Daniel, and myself. And uh, lots of other stuff, giveaways, things like that. So it's a pretty cool place. Check it out. Maybe stay a while. But that being said, we're going to jump into our security news uh, for this half of the show. We'll just go ahead and get right into it. This article comes to us from The Verge. Authy is shutting down its desktop app. And saying that name makes me feel like I've got a lisp. So the 2FA <laughs> app Authy will only be available on Android and iOS starting in August. Now, is this something I've personally never used this app, sure. but I'm sure plenty of people do. So the fact that it'll be gone on desktop only available on Android and iOS, is this, do you think, going to affect a lot of people? Um, so it, it is going to affect some people in a very bad way, which I'll talk about here in just a minute. But if you're not familiar with Authy, because it sounds like, Sophie, you've, you've never used it. Mm -mm. All right. In the early days of, of multi-factor authentication, so, you know, Five years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so so when, when people really started rapidly adopting MFA, Google had their Google Authenticator, right? And you'd install it on your phone and you could start adding in your MFA codes there and, and life was good until you got a new phone. When you got a new phone, you had to go and disable MFA on all your accounts and then take your new phone and re-enable MFA and generate all new codes. It was a huge pain in the butt. And if you lost your phone, oh, you were screwed, right? I mean, that was that was a big deal. Microsoft released their authenticator. Same exact problem. Yeah, if you lose your phone, you're screwed. It was it was tied to your device. Yeah. And people got really upset about that because they wanted to upgrade their phone. I didn't, I didn't lose my phone. I bought a new phone. Well, and the phone just died. Yeah, like that, that happens, happen. right? Like you drop it and then a truck runs it over. And it's like, well, that's gone. <laughs> and it goes it, in the toilet. <laughs> and if you just had like one or two sites with MFA, like in the early days you did, mm -hmm. It wasn't that big of a deal. You'd go through the password recovery, whatever, and, mm -hmm. and, and deal with that nightmare. But now, fast forward to today, where you use MFA on most of your sites, it's it's unacceptable. So Authy was the first one to really step in and say, you know what? We're going to take the plunge, and we're going to make it where you can synchronize your MFA code generator across more than one device. And you can easily move it from one to another. And so if you wanted to go from an iPhone to Android or Android to a new phone, you could you could log in with your Authy uh, authenticator and easily restore a backup or synchronize your codes over and, and go. And they even went a step further. And a lot of people weren't happy about this. Um, they released a desktop app where you can have an app running right on your desktop and not have to get your phone out of your pocket, right? right? So it's tied to the app and not so much the device. Right. And many security researchers at the time said, hey, you know, the whole point of multi-factor authentication is that there's something you know and something you have. Right. And, or, I mean, there's uh, something you know, something you are, something you have, right? right? And, and so they wanted to diversify, and they felt like having the authenticator right there on your computer where the codes are being requested it just made it too easy for the attackers. You know, you, you would notice if somebody stole a key fob out of your pocket it, it or they stole your phone. It was a weak implementation. And mm -hmm. yep. why? That, that's kind of defeating the purpose. So some people didn't like it, but it fit a need. And you fast forward to today and Google, Microsoft, all the major authenticators allow you to synchronize your codes between devices. And if you want to move from one device to another, you don't have to start all over from scratch. So... Everything Authy pushed for in the beginning really has become commonplace, except for the desktop app, right? Now, you could argue that LastPass and um, uh, Bitwarden and those guys yeah. allow you to do it on the desktop too, but it's not as common. Uh, most people don't, don't even know that feature is there. Uh, most people just use their phone like it was originally intended. Now, 
here's the reason why I think this is important. So Authy is shutting down the desktop app. It's going away. Again, most people use their phones or their password manager has that functionality anyway. So not, not a big deal from that perspective. But here's what you might not know. When you disable your Authy account, when you or, or you know the, the desktop authenticator, when you remove it and delete it as an authenticator, there are some services, and, and Twitch is a great example of this because I know Twitch does it for a fact, where they synchronize and it actually talks to the client. Um, you might, I'll, I'll tell you how to tell the difference. Um, you ever go to a website and you go to log in and it prompts you for username, password, and then it prompts you for the MFA code, right? Mm -hmm. And normally you just have to go to the app and find it. But sometimes you get a notification and on your phone will say, hey, you're trying to authenticate here and yeah, it'll take you yes right or in. No, yeah. right? That's one that's synchronized with your client. And when you disable the Authy desktop client, it phones that home to that company to say, hey, this authenticator is no longer valid. And even if you synchronized it to another device, you just invalidated that that code. Uh, Ruh -roh. <laughs> what is that? A key? A seed? What, what, what yeah, do they call no. that? The I don't know, yeah. whatever the, the thing is, the the private key that's that's generated yeah. that, that is tied to your code. So it invalidates that. And so now you will have to jump through some hoops. So you might think, I don't care about this desktop client. I, I don't use it anymore. I'm just going to delete it and call it a day. But any of those services that pop notifications automatically, those are two-way communications, and it will impact those. So you need to be ready for that. Yeah, that sounds like uh, uh, workstation support, or not workstation support, but like their customer service representatives are going to be slammed with people that were like, oh, I, d I deleted it, and now I can't log into anything. What's going on? And they're going to they're have a, a lot of fun fielding those calls. I just see a lot of people say that... Um, uh, one possible solution is using Andro uh, uh, subsystem for Android, uh, okay, right, yeah. and, and Windows environment. So that that sounds like a, a good stopgap for if you're running the desktop app and now that is no longer supported. Yeah, that that would that would give you another desktop app. It, it wouldn't yeah. solve the problem of when you no. remove the one authenticator. That, that, yeah. That's still an issue. Yeah, that you need to think <laughs> ahead of before you get crazy and uninstall and stuff. Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I did at one point use the Authy desktop authenticator. I was like, this is yeah. convenient. But in the end, I ended up moving them into uh, Bitwarden. Yeah. And so I've, or I use 1Password for my personal stuff. I'm moving right. them in there. Uh, and so I can I can use my phone to get the codes if I want. But on the desktop, I can use my password manager's system to get it. And again, I know security researchers are going to disagree with this and say, Don, you're storing your password and your OTP token, that, that's a token, that's what yeah, I was looking for earlier. Mm -hmm. your, your OTP token in the password, in the same place. Yeah. And and that defeats the purpose. And to which I would say, yeah, all right, <laughs> you, you got me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you what do you want to make of it? Huh? <laughs> no one's perfect, okay. <laughs> I'm a grown up. I've made this decision and I'll accept the consequences. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, it looks like if you are using Authy, at least the desktop version, and if you're running a Mac with M1 or M2 Silicon, it says that uh, you can still download the iOS version of the app on your device. So I guess that's kind of a, a workaround for it if, if you're yeah. using the desktop version currently. Um, and otherwise, you can switch to the mobile version. You can automatically sync the mobile version with the app on your computer. But if you want to switch apps altogether, there's no export feature. So you have to manually disable 2FA on all of your connected accounts before you can link them to the new one. So it's not like a, well, I want to switch yeah. from LastPass to Bitwarden and I can just export all my stuff. That, this doesn't exist That there. is like the sucky thing about 2FA. I mean, I, I totally am for 2FA. I think it's a, a, a great thing. It helps definitely keep us much more secure. I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all to security, but it's a definite step in the right direction. But man, if you've got to change that 
at all, that is a bit of a just a yeah. a slog. I, I just remembered something, uh, and it's important, that uh, the Verge article, we got this article from the Verge, uh, it hasn't been updated to reflect this yet, but when this was originally announced, they announced it in early January, and they said, you have until August. In mm-hmm. August 2024, we're getting rid of this app. Well, yesterday, so just yesterday, they announced, oh, um, we said August, what we really mean is March. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's a lot less and, time. Don. And so they just cut five months off. So it's, if you're listening you to this podcast. weeks. You, right, yes. So yeah. you got about 30 days, um, but by the end of March, desktop app going away, not August, like they originally said. So that's uh, that's a bit of a, a moving goalpost on that one. Fun. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure nothing bad will happen. It's great. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, yeah totally good. fine. Yeah. So, but before we jump to our next article, I just I have a quick question. So, like I said, it, it doesn't have an export feature. The way this, I guess, I wouldn't know because I've never really had to undergo a whole like, oh my my authenticator app's not going to work anymore. I got to make the switch. Mm-hmm. I've never had to do that before. So I've never looked to see if. I mean, is an export feature for for two FA stuff is that common, or is, are they just saying like in general, if you're dealing with two FA apps, you can't really export your accounts? Sure, it it used to not be common. It, it is now. Like yeah. you know, if you go into LastPass, Bitwarden, One Password, they all have where you can you can fully export your unencrypted yeah. database. Like I, every, right. every I think a lot of us around here did that when LastPass mm-hmm. kind of like crapped the bed. Hopefully, yeah. everyone and did. Then, yeah, I moved to Bitwarden, and it was a it was such an easy process. Yep. Uh, now the, the, I actually know this one. So on the Authy desktop app, it doesn't have that feature. And so what, what they want you to do is just move to their other app. You know, you do a backup restore whatever, but you can using a web browser, uh, you, you go into the developer tools and, and you throw throw a little JavaScript (laughs) in there. It's not easy, but you can get there and and get it to give you the decrypted tokens. Right. Uh, but it's not something a regular end user could do. Yeah. Okay, interesting. I guess I was just curious if if that's something like with other authenticator apps, if that's a common thing that you can export. Or yes. If it's, okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Absolutely. Because I know password apps. There, there's that. You because can do it that. took them five seconds to go. Someone might not want to use our product one day, yeah. or we might want to migrate to a different product that we build. Right. How can we do that easily and just forwardly thought? <laughs> after a few times of that actually happening, it didn't take long for them, those companies to figure it out. But this is 2024, and so now they'll broadcom it and say, <laughs> yes, yeah, eh, we, <laughs> we got you, son. Where are you going? Nowhere. That's right. <laughs> Pay us well, the dough. <laughs> well, if you are an Authy desktop user, uh, Godspeed, and we hope that this, that this works out for you and you're able to hopefully seamlessly transition to a, a different solution. We'll go ahead and jump to our next article, and this is part of an old favorite segment. We haven't seen this one in a while. It's pork chop sandwiches. Pork chop sandwiches. Props to our director, Christian, for on the fly updating that graphic this morning. So appreciate you for doing that. This is another article that comes to us from Tom's Hardware. BitLocker encryption broken in 43 seconds with sub $10 Raspberry Pi Pico. The key can be sniffed when using an external TPM. Am I saying that right? Raspberry Pi Pico? Yeah. Like Pico yep. de Gallo? Yep. Okay. Wow. So it's, it's un poquito. It's little. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm th- I got food on the brain. So that's... Plus they're super cheap. Yeah, ten bucks. Yeah. yeah, sub ten dollars. It sounds like it, and and broken in forty three seconds. Uh, so, uh... Don, correct me if I'm. I watched the video on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you watch the video? On I this? did. Did you yep. watch the video on this, Sophia? I did not. You should totally. It was it was oh, very okay. interesting. It's only about ten minutes long. Okay. Saying that it took him forty three seconds is a bit of a misnomer, right? <laughs> Ultimately, after he did 
a shit ton of work. <laughs> <laughs> and he built the device. Then, after that, if you have the device in your hand, you can do it in sub-60 seconds. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, it's, I, I was, don't get me wrong, so the, the YouTuber that created this uh, Stack Smashing, very, very smart, great YouTube channel. Him and another YouTuber have a, a training company where they do, like, binary reversal and... It's a great training, very nice stuff. Uh, I would highly recommend checking that out if you're interested in those things. But I just want to say, like, this, the way that, that that title and that is formulated, I just did not, ah, that's not really how that went down. And he, if you watch the video, he kind of goes into saying that this is, oh, this is not that difficult. We just read this, and then we're, we're reading the electrical signals on this pad in nanoseconds. <laughs> and I, I just whipped up, um, you know, a program that, that did that and then automated this process. It, it's a little more complex than if you're like, Oh, I just got my security plus. I, I want to get down with this. It, it's, it's probably a little above your pay grade at that point. It's above my pay grade at that point. This is a lot of work that went into this. Took a lot of, uh, uh they used a lot of specialized equipment that yeah. was necessary, but it definitely made it a whole lot easier than you, you might think just from the title and even maybe the article. Yeah, and you know, let's talk about the attack because the yeah. attack doesn't work on every computer. So what's going right. on here? If you think about a computer that has BitLocker encryption, right? So BitLocker encryption is what's built into Microsoft Windows. Uh, de definitely in the Pro editions. Is it in the Home edition? I don't know. I I don't I don't remember. If I don't follow Windows that kind of Home stuff. has that, yeah. but but the the Pro edition has it, and so you can encrypt your system. And when you do that, you have to generate a private key so that you can encrypt and decrypt data, right? And that private key gets stored in your TPM, your trusted platform module. Now, on many modern systems, you go buy a computer today, the TPM is likely a part of your CPU. It's on the same die. It's just built into the processor, and, and that's that. Nice and secure and safe. But on systems built even a couple of years ago, the TPM was external. It was on the motherboard somewhere. It might be near the CPU, might not be. Just It was on the motherboard right. somewhere. And what the researcher found was when there was an external TPM, when the system would boot, the private key would have to be sent from the TPM to the CPU, and it was crossing certain circuit traces unencrypted. And so there was a brief period of time on the electrical wiring on the motherboard where the key was transmitted unencrypted. And so what he did is he built a little Raspberry Pi Pico device that had some cool uh, copper leads yeah, on he, it. He had to uh, like figure out the, the correct spacing to be able to just easily touch that pin pad yep. and get the right spacing for where those pins go. So that that took that alone took a little bit of time and effort. And then he had to have that thing produced. He didn't he didn't just kind of like put it all together. He, yep. he sent it off and had it uh, built. So it it only works on devices that have an external TPM that have this exposed pad for, you know, a connector that's not installed on the motherboard. Right. Uh, and so if you like meet all these little criteria, and if you're an attacker, you've stolen somebody's computer and taken it so you can take it apart and get it the motherboard. And you have to be able to power the device on while it's disassembled, uh, which is hard for a laptop, easier yeah. on a desktop. And then you can hold this device to those electrical contact pads. And when you power on the device, it can sniff and capture the private key while it's being transmitted and then you can decrypt the system. Now, this is something that like 
the FBI would do if they seized your computer right. and they could use it to decrypt, right? But for a, a regular a regular hacker out there in the field, not so realistic. And Yeah, this is more like some state-sponsored stuff that would happen, like actual spycraft, espionage kind of stuff that you yeah. think of in the movies where some agent has infiltrated or they've they've got an inside man because they're paying him buku bucks from you know China or Russia or whatever to you know go into their boss's office open their laptop put this thing on they've like Don said they've specked out the device specifically learned that it is susceptible to this specific type of attack right and then built the device necessary and all the the software that goes around it to pull that off and then they can decrypt. They, they can make a cut, you know, uh, they would have to have a, a sled to pull that off their own laptop, read that, give it the key, copy the files off, maybe do like a backdoor action and and throw in like a, you know, like a, a reverse shell or some sort of, of, okay. of root kit into the system, put it back. In. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot a, more it's than that's going on. And, and it's highly unlikely that this is going to be something that you have to worry about necessarily. As, as an attack yeah. vector to your you, stuff. You know what I equate it to? Hmm. The the lockpicking lawyer. You ever watch the lockpicking yes, lawyer? Yes, I love the lockpicking lawyer. Have you seen him? Not familiar Man, with we got to get oh. you squared away. It's on YouTube. Yeah, I swear. He, it, he's this guy. He's You're just... like out there living your life doing stuff outside. <laughs> yeah, going outside. I'm sick of this. You got to stop sick of this. Yeah, yep. I know. So he he, he picks locks. He he's, or was a lawyer. I think yeah. he still is, but not practicing anymore. Because uh, he makes so much freaking money on YouTube with these videos. But every time he takes a lock, right, a, a padlock that somebody bought at a store and yeah. sent to him or whatever, and then he he goes and explains how easy it is to, to pick it, and he he says all you need is this tool and this tool, and then he goes and he does it, and within seconds he's got the lock open, right? And each time he's using these tools, these lock picks that are sub ten dollars, you can go get them on Amazon, cost a couple couple yeah. bucks, right? But every lock he's using a slightly different tool, like oh I need to use an eighth inch pressure bar or whatever, and, yeah. and, and but he's got all that, so. You don't see it on camera, but behind him somewhere, he's got a whole case full of a thousand of these little pick things, yeah. and he, he knows exactly which one to use. And so, yeah, you could say, hey, it took less than 10 bucks, and it took this guy 40 seconds. I couldn't do it. I, I could go, even if I had the right tools, I'd yeah. just break them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I pick locks, and that's why I watch The Lockpicking Lawyer, because, uh, you know, a set of sparrows will probably run you, you know, 50, 60 bucks or whatever for a full set, okay. which is a really nice set of, of lock picks. There are, depending on the type of lock, right? When you buy a lockpick set, they typically come with the um, most used picks that you would need on the generalized set. There are some very specialized locks out there where you would need a specialized tool, which he obviously has. But I've seen him definitely, it's the knowledge of how to use them. Because I could give them, I could give them to Sophia and she still wouldn't be able to pick that lock. Right. Right. And even with the right tools. Because you got also know you gotta have a user, right? Yeah, and it's the same thing here. Just because I gave you this Pico device, this guy developed, doesn't mean you're gonna just run out and go, "Cool, I'm I'm reading TPMs." You have to know how to use it as well. So it's marrying the tool with the knowledge that makes yeah. this something that might be dangerous to someone. But it certainly does highlight a flaw in TPM design. Oh, absolutely. If you have an external TPM, it's going to be less secure than one that's built into a CPU. So uh, if you're running a 15 year old system that doesn't have the uh, population count instruction set and you're worried about Windows 11, <laughs> uh, now's the time to upgrade. And modern CPUs, the, the newer AMD and Intel CPUs, have the TPM integrated in the CPU die and, and would not be vulnerable to this type of attack. Wow, I feel like I just said deja vu there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it's cool as hell, though. You yeah, totally yeah. watch. Yeah, it's super really cool. cool to watch. 
Yeah. yeah. It's it's always like that, though. It's like, dang, in, in theory, that's really cool. Could I do it? No. But it's cool to watch. Um, and it's cool to see. And they did, to be fair, they put in the article the disclaimer, after creating the device, the exploit yeah. only took 43 seconds. They just don't tell right. you how long all the prep yeah, work they ain't going to get so. you to click on the article. So. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. 43 seconds. What, what this guy Pork did. Pork sandwiches. Yeah. What, this, what this hacker did will shock you. You got to click on the link. Yeah. Number three well, <laughs> in the list. I think the lockpicking lawyer even says this sometimes. Like, like he's going to show you how to pick the lock, but a pair of bolt cutters will normally work in most <laughs> yeah, scenarios. Some, hold right. on, so there's, if you don't mind being destructive, you don't have to have skills. Man, I've seen a, I've seen a, I've seen a couple of lock videos here lately where a lot of these locks are susceptible to like tapping attacks where you just tap them. Oh, you can like smack them with your hand and they'll pop open. If you That's do it like the right crazy. way, yeah. hit the right like, angle. They're showing these people trying to cut it and the bolt cutters are like, this is like chrome molly hard and huh. steel, blah, 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 blah. You can't actually get at it because of this sleeve that goes around the shackle and you can't get to the thing to cut it with a bolt cutter. You can shoot it, you can dynamite it. It's not going anywhere. And then walk over and go like that. And it just pops open. Oh, I'm like, wow, that's... <laughs> That's, that's not good. That's a design kind flaw. Kind of defeats the purpose of the whole thing there. <laughs> <laughs> you like Daniel speaking from experience here. Yeah. We'll, we'll go ahead and jump to our next article. Pork chop sandwiches, though. I'm glad to see that one come back. But this one this is one we see a little bit more often. Uh, this segment's called Who Got Pwned? Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! This article comes to us from the bleeping computer, or bleeping computer, no, no article. New Fortinet RCE flaw in SSL VPN likely exploited in attacks. And that's a lot of acronyms for one headline. You just so, said Fortinet, and I was like, yep, yep, that, here we go again. <laughs> oh, it's it was that. That's kind of a common you know thing. How many times we've talked, like, you've been on the show where we have talked about Fortinet. <laughs> that's true. Multiple that's times. True. Yeah. <laughs> it all runs yeah. together after yes, a while. Yes, I know, I know. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm not a fan of Fortinet. I've, I I've wonder been clear why, about that before. Um, what could possibly deter you from their amazing security and, you know, I'll be transparent here and, and set up the reason why I'm not a fan of theirs. Uh, they have been less than transparent about hard-coded credentials in their firewall software for years, right? Uh, and they got caught once, and they tried to cover it up, uh, and then they got caught again with a whole other set of credentials. And, and so if you... If you're a cybersecurity company giving, you know, selling a product that's a firewall to protect people's networks, yeah. is, you're supposed to be trustworthy. Isn't that like security 101? You do not hard code creds? I yeah. mean, it's just yeah. what you don't do. So that's that's where my distrust of Fortinet originates. Mm. But in the last six months, this is the fourth time we can report on vulnerabilities in their SSL VPN, yeah. where an attacker can unauthenticate it, so no authentication needed, bypass authentication, and gain administrative privileges on the firewall device. And it's the freaking firewall. So you know, from there, they then have access to your internal network. I love that. That's the, the quote for this episode of TechNado. It's the freaking firewall. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that's supposed to keep you secure is really like basically an inside man that hates your guts is <laughs> getting paid. To like give away all your secrets. And I, I've taken some heat for this over the years. I've yeah. had viewers, listeners write in and say, Don, you know, I, I love Fortinet or, or why, why don't you guys have Fortinet training at, at our, our day job? Uh, and I always tell people, like, I'm not going to make training for a product that I would not run myself. Yeah. You know, I, I refuse to, to use their products. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to make training for it. And in, in these scenarios where you just keep seeing flaw after flaw after flaw, like how, how long are you going to suck that up as and, a customer? And it's, it's not like what we've been saying earlier, how like, oh, yeah, you know, some security researcher discovered this 
and you know they did responsible disclosure and now there's a patch available these are like constantly exploited this is being exploited it's being exploited patch now we that is a, a typical like tagline to a fortnet security issue yeah. is currently exploited is also a part of that title now you might ask yourself with all this in mind, why why would people use their products? And I'll tell you some of the the benefits of their products, right? So first off, they are less expensive, right? If you if you put forward that stuff against like a, a Cisco solution, yeah. significantly less expensive. Also, they have a software firewall where you can you can spec out your own hardware, yeah. And that's nice because you might need a, a high end beefy server to be able to handle your firewall traffic, or you might need something light. You might want a Raspberry Pi, whatever. Like they'll they'll allow you to do that, so you get a lot of flexibility. Kind of like um I don't know PF Sense. I was gonna say PF Sense, yeah. yeah. Similar to that, so uh, so that that's good, and and that's what draws people to it. But there's saving money, and then there's like negating the viability of a product, and that's really the stage that we're at when it comes to Fortinet. Yeah, if if saving a few bucks, I mean, I get it. Not everybody's got the the cash necessary to get out there and buy something more expensive. Yeah, totally get that. I I grew up very poor, so I I get these these mm. hardships in life, uh, but. At one point, like the juice just isn't worth the squeeze, right? Where yeah. they're constantly got problems, it, it no longer becomes a viable uh, commodity for you to to, to purchase. You, you have to wipe it off the table and go, "Yep, that that is not something I'm going to." It's, it's basically like introducing uh, security issues into your instead of doing the opposite, which is what you want to do, is and stopping security issues. Go with something else. Find a different avenue. There's still, like we mentioned, PF Sense. I'm sure they're not the only game in town as well. You could stand up your own Linux server and, and build your own firewall through like IP tables and stuff. And yeah. yeah, does it take a lot of time and effort and and know-how? But you know everything that's that's cracking through that thing. It's long well known to know that like this can be used as a viable solution. It uh, is secure. You, you just have to spend more sweat equity into getting it to yeah. work. I think you know you've got Cisco, Juniper, Palo Alto. Yeah. There's some some good reliable players, and they have vulnerabilities too. They like, do. You know, they, things happen. Absolutely. Um, but there's there's reliable players that are out there, and then you know you see people like Fortinet. Um, not so much here in the U.S., but in Europe, Microtik, which oh, is yeah. is somewhat common. And they've had and a couple of issues as well. They have yeah. a lot. Yeah, and and so you know those those are ones I don't recommend. Yeah, and and that's. That's that's really a decision you make when you yeah. you choose a firewall vendor. You got to do your research, right? You do. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's sad. I, I do think we need to start reporting these as like deja news because they, they seem to be almost <laughs> on a keeps coming it's back. Basically the yeah. same yeah. thing, right? Yeah. So what are you gonna do? And I'm sure I'm sure the fact that it's it says likely being exploited in attacks is you know contributes to this. But it does say it, it received a critical severity rating of nine point six. And it I guess the same day that this was announced was just earlier this week. Or that this was disclosed, I guess. Uh, there was another critical flaw that was also disclosed and a couple other ones that were like medium level. Not marked as being exploited in the wild, but still, you know, a, it a handful. just say that the CVE 2024-23113 had a critical 9.8 rating. Right, critical. I just said it wasn't being exploited in the wild. But it's not being but exploited in the wild. But right. still. That was know. the, hey, we found this before it got too out of hand. <laughs> yeah, which I, I guess that's the ideal scenario. Yeah, that, that if, is if the ideal the scenario. Exists, it's good that you found it before, I know, before it got bad. We kind of like go, oh, holy crap, that's a, that's a crazy high rating mm -hmm. for CVE. And it is, but they, they discovered it. They right. have a patch for it. So that, like you said, that's the ideal yeah. situation. Right. And it does seem like uh, maybe not just with Fortinet, but for the last several weeks, every time that we cover <clears throat> a flaw like this, it kind of seems like 
it's, oh, it's critical. Oh, it's critical. Like all the time, which I guess makes sense because you're not going to write, if, if it's a flaw that, oh, it has a score of three, you're probably not going to write an article about that. So <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe that's just a, you know, a lo- maybe, I don't know. Maybe one day, maybe one day, it'll, yeah. it'll, well, security will increase so much that we're like, oh, wow. That'll three. be news. Oh, right. It's kind of high, don't you think? We should, <laughs> we should do an episode where we only cover like CVE2 like and yeah. lower. Yeah. Yeah. Mundane security news. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> or or would, we, would we cover it like as it is? Yeah, like, there's, yeah, this an, isn't infra- a big deal. there's an information disclosure of the, we, yeah. the server. Yeah. Or would we sensationalize yeah. it? Like, yeah. this flaw will shock you with how low of a score it is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, of course, they, they wrapped this article up saying that, uh, well, due to the severity and the likelihood of it being exploited, it's strongly advised that you update your devices as soon as possible in case that wasn't obvious. Yep. So they do put that little disclaimer in there. Um, and there's not, I know somebody, I looked through the comments and, and not a whole lot of activity on this one yet, but somebody had asked if there were any indicators of compromise published yet and none that I could see. Um, so unless I missed something, there was no like, oh, hey, if you're if you're seeing thus and so, that's probably an indicator that this is going on. Yeah, they just say it's likely that it's being exploited in right. the wild. So. That that probably means that someone noticed that this was being exploited in the wild, but they don't want to come like mm. out with that necessarily, not yet anyway. And that that would be my guess. Like a CYA. It's yeah. likely being exploited. We're yeah. not gonna confirm or deny. <laughs> yeah. Whether can... it absolutely is, but you should probably patch right now. <laughs> we plead the fifth. Yeah. Well, I'm sure hopefully <laughs> Dave Chappelle sketch. Nope. The fifth. I plead the fifth, or he does everything that they're lobbying against him in court. He just is playing this thing like, I plead the fifth, and that's all he does. <laughs> the whole time. The whole time. It's very funny. I probably don't need to tell you I, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. That was back in the Chappelle show days. Well, then I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I just checked, and uh, there is an IOC that was released oh, just oh, did yesterday. They okay, yep, good. Just yesterday. Okay, gotcha. So, I missed I, that development. I found I it know. on uh, threadintelligence.com. Threadintelligence.com. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. No. <laughs> Well, hopefully this isn't something that comes back up again. But, you know, I say that realistically, we'll, Fortinet will probably come up again in, in future Technados. So, you know, just yeah, if I had to look put forward money to on it. The table. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if you're going to short a stock, <laughs> this is not investment uh, uh, advice. No, no. I'm not a broker. No, you talk, to your, you talk to your brokers about that. Well, if you enjoy hearing about your Fortinet flaws here on Technado, feel free to subscribe. Like I said, if you haven't already, drop a like, leave a comment, let us know what you liked about this episode, what you want to see in the future. If there's any news that you're like, hey, you didn't you didn't cover this. Was, was there any articles that came up this week? I know some weeks it's like real news heavy and it's hard to pick stuff, you know. And so was there anything that we didn't cover that happened this week that was kind of kind of newsworthy? There was one thing, I forget exactly which company it was, but it came out that there was like a big flaw and then it was like, that's not true. But all the major outlets reported on it. Do you remember which one? Oh, it was? Um, Ooh. oh shoot! Because it was funny, right? Um, it was funny, uh, but it, because it was a big nothing burger, it wasn't like really reportable. Ah, oh, shoot! Ooh. And I, yeah, what I, the I hell was that? I think it, it was in our news feed. It no, was. Now I got to look it up because yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was. <laughs> people people were excited to report on it, and like Ars Technica didn't Tom, take the like, time all to verify. The big dogs were. Um, it was. Oh, Microsoft introduces sudo. That's what in it was. Windows. They were like, yeah, Windows is going to get the sudo command, and then Microsoft came out and said, no, actually, we're not. <laughs> I was so pissed because I have been begging for sudo for actually. So technically, Microsoft does have sudo. In a in a roundabout way, if you run, uh, was it Windows Subsystem for Linux or mm-hmm. uh, yeah WSL right, you can sudo inside of that sucker. Then I have to do it from time to time. If you want to yeah. run something like Netstat or start a you know like an HTTP server with Python, you got to sudo that monkey if you're going to run on a protected port. 
and it does do it. It does work. So you kind of can sudo, but I, I've longed for the day when I ain't got a right click run as administrator, yeah. uh, damned PowerShell or terminal, whatever the hell it is yeah. now. <laughs> it's like, come on, man, just let me elevate when I need to elevate. Yep. Just one with, command without whole this, terminal. Just like, yeah. you know, I hold my right arm the right way and let the stars align so that I can have a, an administrative terminal. Well, this has been Grinds My Gears yeah. with Don and Dan. Join, join us for next week's segment. If you, uh, if you didn't enjoy this, again, uh, I want to thank our sponsor, ACI Learning, the folks behind IT Pro for, for letting us do this, for allowing us to do this. That's what we do in our day jobs. We make those courses about audit, cyber, IT, anything you can possibly imagine in that sphere. Besides Fortinet, you know, don't don't count on that. Uh, you can check that out over at the ACI Learning or the IT Pro websites. If you haven't subscribed already, feel free to do so. You can use the code TechNATO30 for a discount. And if you're watching from the TechNATO website, you can actually just click that Sponsored By button and it'll take you right there. So nice little shortcut. Couldn't ask for anything better. I think that's pretty much going to do it, though. We, we have had a couple webinars this month. If you if you missed them, check them out on the on the YouTube channel, the IT Pro channel. Uh, if you want to see those, we had an All Things Cyber. We had one last week about building a tech resume that was real helpful. Mm. Uh, and it's only like the second or third week of February. And we're cooking, cooking on we're all. Killing it, man. Cooking on all burners. Be really killing it. It's fun. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's, I mean, I, I was going to say Happy Valentine's Day again, but I'll, I'll you know. I'll hold back. I know. I know it's not really you, you guys' make thing. Me sick. <laughs> oh, I wasn't expecting the dropping an octave. Yeah. Any anything else y'all would like to add before we sign off? No, don't forget the leeches. Yeah. Follow me don't on forget LinkedIn. the leeches. <laughs> it's it's like I was saying earlier, Valentine's Day was it's a, a there's a lot of like Saint Valentine's that were martyrs in history, and so there's uh -huh. like controversy about which one the holiday is actually about, but we've got our own martyr right outside our window. He yeah. he died in his belief that there was no window there. So he he did die for his beliefs. We'll go check on him, have a beautiful, beautiful bird funeral for him in just a moment. So uh, until next time, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Technado, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed today's show, consider subscribing so you'll never miss a new episode.